Hello, hello, and welcome to Queer and Teen, a four-part mini-podcast about the impact that the COVID pandemic has had on the queer community in particular. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Vicky Vibrato, a drag queen who started out in this industry during the pandemic. So to start us off, could you introduce yourself, Vicky Vibrato, and tell us a little bit about your timeline, how you decide you want to get into drag, and when this all unfolded? Yes. Hello. My name is Vicky Vibrato. I am 21. I'm currently in New Jersey, um, but I'm originally from Minnesota. So I li- I'm living about like 17 hours away from home. Um, yeah. Getting into drag has been new to me. I, 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 I sort of have a, you know, like a weird relationship with it because I did start actually performing during the pandemic. So how I was first introduced to drag was I think it wasn't really until my freshman year of college. I didn't really know anything about drag in high school at all. Um, and yeah, I, I coming to Ryder for school, I was just around a lot more queer people that I had never been around really in high school at all. So they were all my, they were like, oh my God, do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? Who's your favorite drag queen? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't really, I don't really know what that's about. And as I, I sort of just kept running into it and I started watching it and learning about it. And, you know, I think I like my, a lot of why I'm interested in it as well is because like, we've sort of grown up in the age of technology and YouTube. And I grew up like watching all of the first big YouTubers. And like, though I wasn't really into makeup, I still like sort of just grew up with that um, like type of culture, you know, the internet culture. And so that was something that interested me, but I don't know. I I started it because my college, um, it was doing, they do what they call writer drag race. And I went to it. It was like one of my first drag shows and it was so much fun. And so the next year, me and my roommate, we were like, okay, we're going to do it. So I had been practicing. I had just been, you know, sort of getting into makeup and learning how to style wigs and stuff because my mom loves makeup. Um, She's a nurse in the emergency room and she like craziest eyeshadow, neon lip colors under her mask. Like she's amazing. So she definitely inspired me as well. Um, but yeah, and so through my time during quarantine, I was stuck at home. So I would use all of her makeup to practice drag makeup just for fun. I was just bored. And then I did Rider Drag Race. It was very interesting. It was a very, it was a very good first performance. It was my fir- first time ever performing in front of people in drag. And it was in October of this, well, of last year. Um, Yeah, and since then, I've just been practicing and practicing, and I've been, my roommates have really been helping me out with getting pictures and creating outfits, and I've been learning how to style wigs, and I'm just now starting to sort of create a little tiny reputation. I mean, you've just started, and I've already seen you with some of the, like, biggest like local drag queen so I feel like you're definitely making a ton of headway in such a tiny amount of time um speaking of which um how did you come up with your persona because it all seems so well put together from the very beginning when I first followed your social media accounts like Vicky Vibrato this all makes so so much sense like the whole persona it's all very put together so how did you come up with the name how did you come up with the personality 
Um, how does okay, the, yeah. the persona of, how does your drag persona complement or contrast, you know, your out of drag persona? Yeah. Um, well, I came up with the name. I wanted the, I had the last name first. I have music is like a huge part of my life and it's like my favorite thing. And I'm a musical theater student and I'm like singing is like, I don't know, like one of my favorite things. And it's something I really want to start incorporating more into my drag now that I've sort of established, um, you know, I've sort of gotten used to performing a little bit. Um, so yeah, vibrato, I was like, oh my gosh, that would be such an interesting name, like vibrato, because, you know, vibrato when you sing. And I was like, oh, what, could, what could be my first name? Like, I don't know. And I was like, I need a V name. Like, I like, I like double, the double um, letters. And I was just like, oh, Vicky. It's kind of like fun, girly, but it's just like simple. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It kind of just felt right. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cute. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really feel like Vicky is, she's definitely a, a heightened version of myself. And she is really like my outlet to anything I feel like I couldn't do as Jack, where I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But if I'm like, oh no, I want to take it there. Like I'll do it in drag because then it's, it's whatever I want it to be, you know? So yeah, it's definitely a heightened version of myself, but it is, it's like everything I, it's like a, like a, like armor. It's like a shield, you know, for you to like fully be yourself, I guess. That is the perfect segue to what my next question was going to be, which is how is drag healing and cathartic in a lot of ways? So we can bridge into this idea of safe spaces within the queer community and then mm -hmm. how they've kind of been flipped on their sides during the pandemic. Right. So I think that something that's very empowering about drag, and I was just reading this in a book, How We Fight for Our Lives uh, by Saeed Jones. Um, and he says that when he went to a drag show, it was this whole transformative experience. And I was talking about it in a book club. And I was like, you know, for a lot of queer individuals, it's the first time that the quality of being queer is something that people are paying to see, something yeah. people are intentionally coming to see. So it's something so special. Yeah. So how, in your opinion, your words, is drag healing and cathartic? I mean... I don't even know how to describe it. The feeling, the feeling of putting on makeup and like completely changing the way you look and oh my gosh. And, 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 you know, you put your corset on and you have shape and or something. Oh, don't even get me started on the wigs. Wigs are my favorite, but something about all of it on you and it's just, it just makes you, it changes your persona. And I always use it with, with, <laughs> as an example, with my roommate. Like whenever my roommate gets in drag, his posture changes. He's like going like this. It's like, it's incredible. But it really is the most creative thing because it's, it's anything that you want it to be. Because there's no right or wrong way of doing it. And I also feel like it's such a new and unexplored 
from a more educational standpoint, like form of art. Like I'm, I mean, I study musical theater, musical theater is something that's very historic and has been, you know, people have figured out a way for it to be taught, but drag, it's like so new and still so underground, but is now coming, you know, more into the, to the spotlight, but it, it's just so special and, and malleable, I guess. And so for me, it's healing because I can just completely let loose. And if I look crazy, it's because like, I want to look crazy. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's freeing. And another thing that you mentioned about having like a safe space or a space to explore is that being in college, you were exposed to the, the queer community in a yeah. more unadulterated way. And that allowed you to come into this, this whole idea of, oh, drag, this is something that I could do. So could you speak to what having like a physically different space or, um, you know, the college experience in terms of being a queer person? Yeah. You know, I, it was, I went through a very big sort of queer discovery in school because where I grew up, like, I was like the only gay person. There was, um, yeah, I think I was the only openly gay person in my like four years of school. And I went to a school that had like, I don't know, like 160 people in my graduating class. So it was pretty small um, in the middle of like Minnesota in the country. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I didn't really have a, a queer sort of experience at all. Um, and I really you know, found my escape through that through the internet and YouTube, as I like mentioned before, but yeah, coming to school, I had never been around so many other gay people in a just normal way, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like when, when you're in a small town, if there's two gay people, they're automatically like, oh, well, there's another gay person. So you guys can like be together. And it's just, it, it was my first time having gay friends and having people that I could really, really, really relate to on a simply just like friendship level. And yeah, it was people that, you know, liked the things I liked, dressed the way I dressed, you know, were interested in, in what I was interested in. And yeah. How has the loss of these physical spaces, like the closing down of Vogue ballrooms, of drag bars, of colleges, which are often havens for queer students, how has that impacted you? So starting with how was it important to you? And then how has the loss of it impacted the queer community in general? Yeah. Um, so having, being exposed to queer people, you know, coming to school was really important because like I said, it was like the first time that had ever happened to me. And it was just a moment of relief. I feel like, because finally, like I was not the only one, you know what I mean? So I was just like, Oh my God, there's other people like me. There's other people like me. And it really provided me with people to feel 100% myself. I knew I didn't have to act a certain way or put on a certain, you know, character of whatever, but I, I was just able to fully, fully, fully be, my, be myself. And I don't think I've ever met anybody like that yet until coming to college, which is like just so crazy that, you know, 
I finally found people that you can like be completely yourself in. And that's really how I feel around all queer people. But, um, but I mean, going to the importance of queer spaces, I mean, they're just, like you said, like, like safe havens for these people. It's, um, you know, somewhere you can go and not have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about the way you dress, the way you look, or, you know, anything like that. It's just seriously for anybody who needs a space. And yeah, I mean, I have felt so welcomed into the drag community so far, and I have had like amazing experiences with Queens, which has been wonderful. Um, because, you know, sometimes like all communities, of course, the queer community can be catty and, you know, whatnot, but, um, yeah, it's just like the most beautiful welcoming space because we've all been through hardships and stuff. Um, but you know, and and the importance of them being closed down. I mean, I think it comes down to like self-discovery finding like these are places where you are free you don't have to worry about what your parents think of you or or your or your you know people you know in high school or or your siblings it's where you can really go and just be like i am just going to be myself and i think that's something you know i've i've really i mean i'm 21 now so i've only really been in like more queer club spaces more recently and i definitely think i've even been experiencing you know more confidence in myself and more discovery and being confident in the choices I make for myself, I guess. Perfect. And very well said. Um, Speaking of breaking into an industry and, you know, sometimes there's even tension within the community and sometimes it's hard to break into a certain sub community because they're so tight. So what has your experience been like trying to, A, break into such a niche community and B, do it during a pandemic? And how do you think the pandemic has affected your ability to break into the drag industry? Yeah, definitely. I mean, oh, it has been super hard um, because drag and being a performing drag queen is so like you said, it's very niche. So there's not really a handbook or, or, uh, you can't really Google how to get a drag, like how to get a drag gig. Like it's hard. And it was something, you know, I, I didn't, I don't really have a drag mom and I didn't, I don't, I didn't grow up in a drag family. I sort of discovered it on my own. So trying to discover that was very hard and it was even harder because I couldn't even go into the spaces I wanted to be in, you know? So it was all, I started out contacting people all virtually. Um, and I, I would, I would just search places and gay bars and places near me that did drag shows and places on Instagram and see who was tagging what and where they were. And like, I was deep dived into trying to find, I was like, I just want to perform. Um, and, and it just, it just, it took me nowhere. Like you, I, it's just so hard to find. And so I reached out to um, a man named Nick Barbati who works for Ryder and he actually put together Ryder Drag Race and he's involved with New Hope Celebrates, which is the LGBTQA plus organization in New Hope that puts on all the events and does a lot of the drag gigs and um, shows and brunches and things. 
And I emailed him and I said, how, like, who do I talk to? I will do anything. What do I have to do? And he sent me the names of four Queens who were performers in new hope. And so I messaged this woman named ginger alley. She is 50 years old. She's a queen in new hope. Um, she's a legend. She's crazy. And I said, hello, my name is Vicky. I am a new performer. And I, I was wondering if there, how I can get started. Like, how do I break into the community? And she asked to see pictures of me. She asked to see videos of me performing. Um, she asked, you know, she asked for like a resume. I was like, oh, I thought I could just come. And so I told her and she saw a video of me and she invited me to come to a brunch. And yeah, it was, I had to go watch one of hers. She brought me backstage. And then the next one I got to perform at and the one I was at helping her, I will never forget it. I was in the attic of a, uh, a restaurant in New Hope and it was just four or five, like 40 plus men, 40 year old, 40 year old plus men in in this tiny attic, just like putting on makeup in these tiny mirrors. And I was sitting in the corner and I was like, what am I doing? What am I like? Where am I right now? This is crazy. And yeah, since starting, I've just met the most interesting and just gorgeous people and people of all gender identities and, you know, backgrounds and and just people who love, who love to perform and who love drag just because it makes them feel amazing. And everybody's been so welcoming. Um, but going back to why it's been hard. I mean, most of the time clubs are having drag shows all the time. There's amateurs and amateur nights, there's competitions, there's pageants, there's, you know, tons of shows. And because we live in so close to New York city, we have access to a lot of amazing, amazing queens doing shows like all the time. All the uh, drag race queens are doing shows like now are away from us like all the time. You can just go, which is like amazing. But because they've been shut down, yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of smaller queens I've met strictly through the internet have been putting on their own virtual cabarets. They do shows on Twitch. They do Instagram lives. There was a time when me and a queen named Bianca Starr. Um, we're doing Instagram lives and we would do virtual like shows and people would tip us on Venmo because like we couldn't see each other and it was just like crazy, but I've made so many friends and it's interesting just now seeing, I've, I've never got to experience the drag sort of club prior to COVID. So it's interesting, you know, seeing it a little more tame and, 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 and it's changed. So I don't know. It's just always evolving and stuff, but drag always finds a way. It always breaks through. So I don't think it will go anywhere. You're definitely correct about that. You know, drag, it's, you know, when things were illegal, when cross-dressing was illegal, there was right. still ballroom culture. So it always finds a way. Yes. No, I mean, oh, that is a whole nother thing I could talk about. <laughs> So I guess another question I have for you that's kind of adjacent to everything that you just talked about 
is I was wondering if, so a lot of your beginning exposure to the public eye has been through an online platform. So through social media or through Instagram Live. So do you think that, was it more daunting putting yourself on an online platform before being able to be in a physical space? Well, not necessarily physical space, but the contrast between putting yourself out there in a space where you know that people are coming intentionally to see drag, people are accepting of the queer community or a member of the queer community, versus just putting yourself out there and not knowing who has access to it or who could reach you. Well, I definitely was totally fine with putting it out there. I loved, I loved posting about it. And I think I, because I loved it so much, that's why I started a separate account is because I just wanted an account where it was only drag and I could only follow drag accounts because that way I could have this like magical little space where I could go on my Instagram feed and it would just be queens and wigs and heels and like everything that I wanted. So it's like my little private like slice of heaven. But it, um, in terms of it being daunting, I actually think get, getting ready to perform in person was a lot, a lot more daunting because drag is very detail oriented. And it takes a lot. There's a lot that goes into it, aside from the makeup and the corseting and padding and body and dress and everything. It's so many different like elements and layers that like from a phone screen, it can look very polished and put together from like, you know, sort of this little box. But in person, their people are right up, right up looking at you. So yeah, it's, it was a little daunting to because you're literally wearing your own like artwork on your face. So it's, it can be a little daunting and, but yeah, I mean, you know, everybody, everybody is supportive though and like willing to give tips and things. But what was the second part of your question? Um, I mean, I don't know if there necessarily was a second part. Okay, it's okay. just like, do you think that there was an additional, additional pressure put on you because you were putting yourself out on a public platform first? as opposed to a platform that's restricted to people who are intentionally coming to see a display of queerness. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess relating that back. Yeah. Back to Instagram again. I think that was sort of my creating the Vicky Vibrato Instagram was sort of my separate performance area because like my my jack account is now people i went to high school with and things and my vicky account is very queer and i follow lots of queens and you know that was sort of my own private little space where i could i was posting tons of pictures and stories and and you know making tiktoks and doing all this stuff because um it was like my only way to have a reason to get in drag. Otherwise I would just be sitting in my room. So yeah. And it was always, always filled with so much love and support. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. I thought it was a good way to start out, dra- start out doing drag and learn and see and experience, um, you know, what other Queens go through that I could sort of go through privately in my own bedroom <laughs> rather than, 
publicly making some big mistakes. Well, that's a wonderful way, I think, to like wrap up our little interview and our podcast because yeah. it seems that it's very much been ambivalent coming into the industry during the pandemic because although you faced a lot of obstacles because you didn't get to try things out firsthand immediately and you know the likes there was also it kind of forced you into the position that made you even more observant and you know right let you into it gradually so that's also super special and your instagram you were able to build a following that then you know got you some awesome opportunities so (laughs) with that in mind i just want to give you a space to say anything else that you want to add to the interview and also where can we contact or find vicky vibrato so what venues do you expect to perform at where can we follow you on social media etc Love it. Oh my gosh. I had such a wonderful time. Well, you can find me on Instagram. Instagram is my favorite social media platform, but I have Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter all at Vicky Vibrato, V-I-C-K-Y, the, wait, <laughs> why do I not even remember my own username? V-I-B-R-A-T-O, Vicky Vibrato. There we go. Um, and let's see for performances. I'm always performing. Uh, posting my performances on Instagram and you can always DM me for information about tickets. Um, I perform this weekend. I'll be at paradise at Asbury park. Um, I perform in new hope almost every month we do a brunch. So you can always find that on social media. It's either at the greenhouse or Martine's river house. Um, and I've been performing at taboo, which is in Philly And you can also find me at Vera Cherry Hill, which is in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, um, which is the club Ariel Versace runs. So I'm doing a show, um, a two shows coming up and there's lots of pride events going on. And yeah, so everything is always posted on Instagram. And I also have a YouTube channel. I've been sort of messing around with posting some videos. That's been kind of fun. And yeah, I mean, if anybody has any questions or you know, wants to know anything, my DMs are always open. You can find me. Um, and yeah, I appreciate this so much. I had so much fun. It was such a lovely time and it was so good to meet you. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thank you for agreeing to come on to my little podcast. And I know it's going to be a wonderful addition to this kind of queer archive of the pandemic that I hope people can even look back to sometime in the future. Yeah, I love it. It's amazing. All right, that's a wrap. Amazing.